welcome to another episode of You Do What? The podcast where I interview my comedian friends about their traditions and rituals. My name is Cindy Ravina. I have a special announcement for people that have listened to my podcast from the beginning. I am now part of the Unpopular Opinion Network. Really excited to be working with them moving forward. It should be fun. They're a great network. They got a whole bunch of other podcasts, ones that friends of mine, people that have been on the show also uh, host. So definitely check those out. And for the people that are just checking me out from Unpops, um, thank you so much for picking me up. I really hope you enjoy this podcast. Uh, Just a little bit about it. Like I said in the beginning, I interview my comedian friends about their traditions and rituals because everybody has traditions and rituals. And that's something I think that is really important to me. So I want to see what it means to other people that I know. So I hope you find that interesting. Uh, I'll, I've never done this before, I realize. Um, my social media, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Cindy Aravina Jr. And if you want to listen to past episodes of this podcast, please check me out on my, well, you can see links on my Instagram, but you can also find my You Do What podcast Facebook page, and that has all the past episodes. And let's get right into it. This week on the show, I have comedian Eric Barnes. Eric can be found on Twitter at Eric W. Barnes. That's Eric with a K, not a C. And we talk about Lutheran Christianity and pro wrestling. Hope you enjoy. Together at long last. Yes. Finally. We've all been waiting for this. Mm-hmm. It's about time. Yeah. Don't you think? Um, what, um, what, I guess what branch of Christi- Christianity did you, are you part of? Uh, I was raised Lutheran. Mm-hmm. Um, I consider myself non-denominational, even though that's considered a denomination nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, but just a uh, generalized Christ follower, um, I guess, because I don't like... There are many Christians that don't like the term Christian, given what you have seen and read and know about Christianity in America, thanks to Fox News and other and other things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so... And then for people that don't know about the Lutheran branch, what what is that? What makes that different than like Protestant or like Baptist? Well, Protestantism is just essentially major Christianity. You know, as a whole, it's usually split up from Catholicism to Protestantism, and there are subsections of Protestantism. Lutheran is based off of the teachings and beliefs of Martin Luther, mm-hmm. who started the Reformation. Right and broke away from the Catholic Church. So a lot of the Lutheran Church is essentially diet Catholicism. It's mm-hmm. just essentially we go th- through the same motions, the same rituals, but the but the context is different in the sense of instead of confessing our sins to a priest, we confess our sins to God directly. Mm. Like there's no conduit, there's no hierarchy. And right. there's no earning of things. It's just repenting and then moving on with your life as opposed to, well, say three Hail Marys and and donate and so forth. It's focused mostly on grace. Okay. So. Because I grew up Catholic. Ah, and so, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't really consider myself a Catholic anymore, mm-hmm. but I, I, did, I did my baptism when I was a baby. Mm-hmm. And Same. Yeah. First communion when I was like nine, and but I never got confirmed. Ah, okay. Around the time you get confirmed was also around the time where you're like having your first existential crisis and you're like, what does it all mean? And yep. like my family was never, we're, we're not church going people. Like my parents are both Catholic. My dad went to Catholic school. My mom is Mexican Catholic, like believes that the Ouija will give you, <laughs> will Lights get you possessed. the candles and all that? She doesn't like the candles, oh. but she believes in God for sure. 
Um, but she didn't even really grow up going to church. Like the only times we go to church are for baptisms, weddings, first communions. That's pretty much it. Like we never went Christmas, to church. Easter? No. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's how much my parents don't like going to church. <laughs> and I never no pushed it either. Yeah. Especially Catholic church. It's yeah, so yeah, boring. Yeah, yeah. So, so boring. It's, it's not great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm kind of an all, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm a weird Christian in the sense of I well Cindy you've seen my act and all that mm-hmm. I'm I'm kind of I don't I don't want to sound like youth preacher but like I'm part of the cool church or any <laughs> nonsense like that but it's more of I'm more of a free thinker Christian right than many um, you're not necessarily what people think of when they think of a like a, a Christian person like you're not annoying about it you're not like proselytizing to your friends all no, the time no. you're very much just like this is what, what I'm about if you don't like it you, we don't have to talk about you've, it you've heard the story <laughs> yeah but for the listeners it's been advertised yeah um so yeah no I just try to I try to and I fail to you know I fail daily and that's kind of the point well not the point but to be to be better of following the the teachings of of Jesus Christ, whether it whether uh, you see, and it's the it's the faith that makes the most sense to me. And I'm not saying that it's better than any others. I think that there's a lot of value in uh, Islam, in Judaism, Buddhism, and many other forms of uh, of religion and ritual. But the one, but it's the one that makes the sense the most sense to me, in the sense that. If there is no God, mm-hmm. if Jesus Christ is a fictional person or just a dude or a teacher or a crazy person and all that, the core beliefs and the core teachings are just benefit the person doing them and mm-hmm. they also benefit everyone around the person. So whether it's real or not, in my opinion, is immaterial. Right. But the but the core values, loving your neighbor, helping those that are less fortunate than you, and being open and trying to be a forgiving person that's the stuff to cling to yeah and everything else is just you know theology is there any sort of emphasis on hell or like being good so you don't go to hell because that's like no that exists oh of course no that that exists many lutherans believe in a hell many christians believe in a hell i don't Mm -hmm. i don't see the value in it because you get into bigger questions of predestination. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're... Uh, are you familiar with the concept? I'm, I'm a little bit familiar, but go ahead and, okay. and talk about that. Predestination, there are some that believe that there are people who are predestined, and it is part of God's greater plan to have people accept God into their life and people that do not. I don't believe in a God that created something that's meant to just be destroyed. Mm-hmm. That makes no sense to me whatsoever. I also don't believe that uh, something that is so great, so wonderful, and so omnipotent is petty right. enough to have something as fickle and ever-changing as human belief regulate a person to whether they go to heaven or hell. Mm-hmm. I think that the, the punishment concept is man-made, and yeah. it also creates a system of of value of, well, I am better than this other person, or I'm, you know, I'm slightly more holy, I'm slightly better, slightly worse, slightly whatever. You know, well, at least I'm not Hitler, at least I'm not, you know, but I'm as good as the Pope, and so on, which I think is just nonsense. I think it's man-made, and it's also something that Christ preached against, mm-hmm. which is the fact that you can earn a place Right. Um, it sounds leaning kind of like... It's universalist, Yeah, really. or like deism. I remember learning about that and being yeah. like, I could get behind that, like, because what deism is, like, if there is a God, mm-hmm. then 
I don't believe that he cares what humans do. He, I don't think that uh, that uh, that a God is uncaring, but I think mm-hmm. that uh, you know if if there is a God, that God gave us these wonderful brains and gave us this responsibility and gave us this earth and is kind of just saying, hey, you know what? It's your turn. Mm-hmm. You you do this. I gave you the I gave you the resources. You know, if, every so often I may come in and intervene, but for the most part, you got this. Yeah, training wheels are off the bike for humanity. So you and believe free will is. I'm I'm fully into free mm-hmm. will. Yeah. Okay. Full stop. Yeah. Yeah, because I think Personally. that's kind of where I lean to. Because like I've heard theories about like no everything is predestined, and those some th- things about that do kind of make sense. But I don't know as a whole, I just can't I can't believe that every decision I've made was like the decision that was going to happen. Because no. I, I also like I give credence to the theory of like there being like multiple universes where in one universe I did do the opposite thing. Well, the other thing is uh, yeah, and the other thing is too is that if there is a predestination, that means that. God created a thing to love it. It's the same as having an artificial toy dog that mm-hmm. barks and licks your face and all that and makes makes noises at you. It's programmed to do that. Mm-hmm. That's not authentic love when a dog like licks your face to get the salt off and all that type of thing. Yeah. So that's how I compare it. But no, this is get, this is getting very deep and I'm ill prepared because I haven't. Uh, it's been a while since I picked up. Uh, I. I read a lot of theology, just mm-hmm. armchair stuff like Diedrich Bonhoeffer and uh, Henry Nguyen, who's a Catholic. Mm, okay. And C.S. Lewis, all, all of them are different people, all of them dudes. Sorry. Uh, I'd rather get a woman's perspective, actually. <laughs> but yeah, it's just my faith is sticky. All, all faith is. Weird. It is. All, all of it. And all of it is. That's what's yeah. kind of neat about it is like, if it can be this sticky thing and people don't see it, see it as such like a rigid black and white kind of thing, I mm-hmm. think that's more helpful for people. Yeah. And, and it's weird that a lot, if you look at Islam, look at Judaism, and Christianity is essentially Judaism part two. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the roots of Islam, there's a lot of crossover there. Oh, yeah. So it all looks at this one original idea and this concept that we've dubbed God. And it's just all offshoots from it. And there's, to me, it came from somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I personally follow what I think is the most true. And there is, you know, over time, different translations, different cultures evolve, different authors, different agendas. My faith is weird and it's messy and there's a lot of awful in it. But there's also a lot of good. Yeah. And I try to do my best to bring up the good parts and not discount the bad because it's real, mm-hmm. but address it. Yeah. So. Um, so, so your family's Lutheran too, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Very much so. And, and um, my, yeah, my grandfather was a Lutheran pastor and missionary. Oh, no way. So yeah. Yeah. It's in the family. Yeah. Seminary was going to be in my future. Oh, interesting. At one point. Yeah. Were you into like, like youth group and, and yep. youth pastor ever? Ra- yeah. Raised, uh, raised in the church, heavily involved in a group called Young Life in, when I was a teen and then uh, Campus Crusade for Christ when I was in college and then didn't get involved. Then later on, I, uh, I couldn't do Campus Crusade because it was very alienating to anything and everything else and everyone else, which kind of goes against the whole what happened mission. It was just they liked being in the bubble. Oh, okay. In the sense of like not uh, welcoming you know, to outsiders. Well, well, not welcoming to outsiders, but be like, no, don't go to the bars, don't go to insert thing here, don't don't talk to the lesbians, don't do that, oh, okay. and all that. T- and it's just very exclusionary. Yeah, and it was you could very see the hypocrisy. Clickish. 
Yeah, especially since, you know, the Jesus that I've read was one that sat with the outsiders Mm -hmm. and didn't treat them as outsiders. He treated them as friends and as neighbors, you know, regardless of their social status, regardless of how weird they perceive they were perceived Mm -hmm. they were not holy people and that's kind of what i dug was that the teacher and the being that i have recognized and worshiped wasn't above everybody Mm -hmm. or at least didn't act like it except when he threw tables down it's (laughs) very comp it's a very complex character that was written so anyway are the ceremonies and rituals as ornate as like Catholicism? Like for for you, communion, did you have to dress up in a suit? It's it's weird how churches evolved over time because when I first started, you had to wear dress clothes mm-hmm. to church and all that, and then eventually it was wear whatever you want. Who cares? Come as you are. For first communion, you know, dressed up, put in a robe, you know, have the cracker, have the wine sometimes, and then eventually turn into grape juice because alcoholism is a thing. Oh, even for just a little bit uh, that. Little taste of the cheapest wine ever. <laughs> some for some people, yeah. Interesting. So they offer grapefruit, ju- uh, grapefruit juice, the grape juice, mm-hmm. you know, for that or for, you know, there are some parents that are like, I don't know if I should give my twelve-year-old wine, regardless of the amount. So it was there, and also, you know, you were twelve or whatever. Mm-hmm. Wine doesn't taste good to you. So. No, it's disgusting. Yeah. So yeah. give me that Welch's. So it was just following. It was following the ritual and the tradition, but not but using it more as a symbol of what it means mm-hmm. as opposed to this will transform and transubstantiation into the body of Christ. This is flesh you are eating in the form of a cracker. Yeah. Or there are some people like with baptism. Well, you know, baptism as a baby, that doesn't count because you were, because you had no say in it. You have to be baptized when you're, when you're confirmed and it has to be full immersion. It can't just be water droplets and all that because that's not how this magic spell works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I, I say that in a mocking tone, but it's mostly because I'm, I, I like the ritual in the sense that it is something to celebrate. It's the reason to gather people together. And it's also a, just a symbol of what it means, but how you do it in my opinion, doesn't matter mm-hmm. ultimately. So, and then what about confirmation? How old were you when that happened? I was, I want to say, sixth grade, sixth or eighth grade when confirmation occurred. Okay, so like pretty soon after um, your communion. Yeah, okay, yeah, pretty closely correlated, if I recall correctly. Interesting. Yeah, and it was, you know, it was weird. Like it was, it, it's it's weird to get to have catechism. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you've, you've yeah, gone through I, I did it. Catechism. Yeah, at, at that age, when you're just like you're trying to be concerned with regular school and your friends and and other things, and then all of a sudden, this person who you never really met or interacted with, the church elder, is trying to imbue in you this uh, these teachings about this is what life may be. What is the bigger picture? And in your head, you're you're like, I wanted to see The Simpsons. Yeah. What is, what's happening? I remember one time. This is way too big. I'm way. T- I'm. It, this is way too too much for for me right now. Yeah, I remember hating going to catechism. And I was a good student in regular school, but yeah. like catechism, I would just zone out so hard. And I remember one time the head priest of of the church came into our catechism class, and he was he was doing a Q and A basically. So I was like. I don't know, maybe I was like eight or nine. I was like, all right, I got a question. So I wrote 
I wrote it down because you didn't have to say um, like who it was who it mm-hmm. was, or maybe I did ask it in person. But the question was, when is God's birthday? Ah. Because I was like, well, we know Jesus's <laughs> birthday, but when's God's birthday? And I don't, I don't remember what his answer was, but I was not satisfied. I was yeah. just like, mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, it just it was good to know. It was good to have people willing to answer such questions. But at the same time, if the other party isn't asking to begin with, mm-hmm. what's the point and purpose? Yeah. So. But yeah, raised Lutheran, but then eventually when I got into middle school and high school, it became more non-denominational. So all the church services turned into, you know, an out, a baritone with an acoustic guitar just strumming along, saying, love of love, Jesus, Jesus, love of love, God, Hell God, yeah. God. And, uh, <laughs> that was, and that's a hell of a drug uh-huh. um, back then, but it's still, I don't know, not everything is love of love all the time, though. And uh, I don't like um, the modern church. The thing I don't care for is we kind of market it as, or at least a lot of Amer- American churches market uh, Jesus and God and all that as self-help, mm-hmm. and that's not the case at all. And they think that, you know, it's it's wonderful to know that there's something bigger than yourself out there, and it's wonderful to know the thing that's bigger than yourself out there cares. Mm-hmm. And, the, and on top of that, the people that also know that there's something bigger out there, care about you too, because you are a part of something. However, that alone doesn't do anything. It's actions. It's being proactive that um, I'm turning into a preacher myself and sermonizing. <laughs> but, but I think a problem with the American church is they're like, if you pray enough, everything will be fine. If, if, if you love God more, things will be fine, and et cetera. But no, it's mostly just being motivated by this sense of love and community to raise money for those that you that need it to take action build homes feed people clothe them it's kind of like the otherwise all you are doing and i think a lot of the american church and i'm and i'm generalizing there are a lot of good ones out there but the vast majority that you see is a very exclusionary and very um holier than thou and on top of that, a very closed-off group that thinks that just saying thoughts and prayers and saying things to God is enough. Mm-hmm. And again, I believe that we are given brains and bodies for a reason, and that is to enact uh, upon the stirring within us that wants to help our fellow person. And that is, that's God to me. Mm-hmm. Do you pray every day? No, I want to. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm too pissed. <laughs> yeah, but I'm very I'm very candid when I pray. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's not formal. Uh, maybe I do pray every day and not know it. Uh, in the sense of you know, I just say things aloud or in my head. And if God is an omnipotent being, he, she, it can sense it to begin with anyway. Right. But but whenever whenever I'm mad, whenever I'm stressed as hell, uh, I I. <laughs> I get pissed. I yell at God. I can't stand it. And I, uh, um, just to, just to get some hope. And whenever someone I care about is hurt or is hurting or they're going through troubles, I, uh, I lift up those troubles, um, to God through prayer. But also, uh, the thing I pray for is I don't pray for miracles. Uh, I don't pray for magic or any of that, but it's mostly, an exercise, I, I see prayer as kind of like checking in with the folks mm. on the phone. Hey, Mom. Hey, Dad. This is what's happening. 
this sucks, this is great, thank you for this, or you get pissed, or whatever, okay, talk to you later. And that's kind of how, that's kind of how I treat it. And, it, you know, if you open your mind, and there is sort of a meditation to prayer. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. There's a yeah. lot of introspection, even if it's yeah. at some something or some someone else. Even if it's, yeah, even if it's directed and focused, it kind of helps open your head up. And I think the ritual of prayer allows you to open your heart and your mind to possible, if you're looking for answers, it allows your mind to open up to other possibilities. It also... Knowing that other people are praying for you or doing that, it also allows them it to, if they are praying with intent, I should say, you know, not the whole, hey, you know, uh, um, help Billy. Okay, bye. But if they're praying with intent, they can think of tangible uh, ways to enact the prayer themselves, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, but I can see why other people lose hope in prayer. I can see why people don't do it. It's more of a... I don't know. Do you pray every day? Do you pray at all? Mm, I wouldn't. I meditate a lot. And I mm-hmm. think that's kind of where like I get like the prayers for introspection kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I guess I'm just trying to like look more inward. Like I try to like think about like what I'm grateful for every day. I have like this panda planner and you write down what you're grateful for. And I think that's, that's awesome. Yeah. I think that's kind of a way of like getting in that headspace. Cause like even when I was, I did consider myself a Catholic. I never really prayed. And when I did pray, it was like, it was very, very immature, very like asking for stuff or like treating God like a genie. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, yeah. and just like getting disappointed when, you know, these things that I'm asking for are not happening. Yeah. Or you go through the, or you go through the motions of prayer, which can be very easy in both Catholic and, and Lutheran things because, you know, you have the Lord's Prayer and all that. And all it could be is just, you might as well be reciting, uh, you might as well be reciting a uh, a Madonna song. Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah. The way that I look at like meditation and prayer is like, you're kind of putting into effect um, like a domino effect. Cause if you can make stuff in your life better then you can make stuff in other people's lives better who can in turn do that for other people. Mm-hmm. And you can hopefully if that kind of catches on, you create this ripple effect. I think that there's, there's definite value in that. Um, but oddly enough for me um, and it's hard for me to care about me mm-hmm. and my yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and this, this, this is, uh, <laughs> but whenever someone I know is in trouble or could use a boost or something like that, that, that helps me. Yeah. Um, uh, that helps me more and mm-hmm. it help And I don't know. I, I get a sense of satisfaction from that. You know, it's even even the truest altruism isn't truly altruistic. Right. If that's how you're built and that's how I'm built is that uh, if my stuff, uh, of course, I want all my thing, you know, my baggage, my problems to be solved. But um, but if I can't find a way to do it and praying about that frustrates me, I pray about other people and I try to and uh, try to see what I can do to make their lives better. Ergo, my life is better because of it. Yeah. So I like that. Yeah. I think a, I think a lot of people would probably feel similar to that. Yeah. I mean, if you can't feel good, at least make other people feel good, right? Yeah. <laughs> at least to try. Um, any so, yeah. Any uh, closing thoughts on Christianity before we move on to wrestling? Um, I would say to all the people that that are non-Christians, whether they practice a different faith or faithless, um, regardless of where you're at, there are people within my faith that 
love you regardless and will help you regardless. And uh, whether you're straight, gay, bi, pansexual, whatever, however, black, white, Hispanic, green, purple, yeah, I know. All it's it's easy for me to to say being a straight, white, cisgendered, heteronormative man. But um, but we are out there, and we're willing to just listen, and we're willing to to help out uh, because that's that's what uh, ultimately that's what Christ would have done, and that's what Christ should have done. And I'm sorry that many people of my faith have failed you. And for other Christians, um, step the fuck up. Hell yeah, including me. I mean, heaven, yeah. Yeah, you can say hell, yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, yeah, that, I think that's that's all very valuable stuff. Now let's talk wrestling! Yeah, <laughs> um, Segways. Have, have you been to WrestleMania? Yes, WrestleMania 24 in hell Orlando, yeah. Florida. Yeah, yeah I want to go to more, but mm-hmm. uh, money is a thing that I don't have. But uh, love pro wrestling, have loved it ever since I was 10 years old. Still go to shows, still talk about it. I've been a guest on many podcasts about it. Mm-hmm. It's Honestly, uh, it's weird because um, it's it's apropos that we're talking about Christianity because pro res- going to a pro wrestling event that's the closest thing to a religious experience that I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's church, it really is, well, uh, especially PWG shows, pro wrestling gorilla, out here in California. Okay, th- is that just based out in California? Uh, was a, it's a SoCal promotion mm-hmm. um, that has grown over time, like it featured local people plus a couple of. Dudes from, you know, throughout uh, some of the bigger independent stars throughout the United States, but now it has gone. It has become this. It's still in the same sweatbox building. It went from a uh, flea market to a Jewish community center to this place, which mm-hmm. is the American Legion Post 308 in Reseda, California. This sweatbox of a building with with a bar and the most curmudgeonly janitor <laughs> of all time. Shout out to Legion Larry. And it now contains the best pro wrestling action out there. And it's, um, you know, uh, it's very welcoming. It's like, it's like going to um, Dave Meltzer, who's uh, the Wrestling Observer, who's been covering pro wrestling since the 80s. He's kind of like the Walter Cronkite of pro wrestling journalism. Okay. He compared it to going to, going to the bar Cheers. Yeah. I'd say it's a combination of that and going to a Grateful Dead concert mm-hmm. because everyone knows everyone. Everyone welcomes new people there. It's very, all the, the fans and the wrestlers, we interact with one another. Prior to the shows, the wrestlers, they bring out t shirts, they hang them over the ropes, and you get to interact and talk with them as people. And throughout the show, they are doing their best, and we cheer, and it feeds them, and they do better, and it feeds back. And it's just, just a call and response love fest of this fictionalized battle between two men in their underwear. Mm-hmm. And it is the most beautiful thing. Uh, going, to, going to a pro wrestling show with the attitude of, I'm going to have a good time, turns out to be an amazing time for everyone involved. So, have I you ever it. wanted to be a pro wrestler? I actually trained. Oh, you for a did? While. Yeah, yeah. This was like ten years ago. I quit due to a combination of I didn't really think I could hack it, and I had two surgically repaired knees prior Ooh. to training. Yeah. So, I got tired of giving myself concussions from taking bumps, mm-hmm. like falling. So I kind of, I kind of quit. But it's weird because now one of the guys that trained 
alongside me is one of the biggest, bigger stars in WWE today, Mm -hmm. uh, Dean Ambrose. He was known as John Moxley back then, but uh, I would uh, I would be taking bumps in the ring while he was uh, lifting weights on the other side, mm-hmm. not really talking to anybody. He he terrified me actually. So just training he wasn't for pro yeah. wrestling, what what does that all entail? It entails on first you have to learn how to take bumps. You got to learn how to fall, mm-hmm. and then you move on to learning different moves. And it's mostly just learning how to protect yourself and protect your opponent and how to uh, feed off a crowd, um, structure a match. It, it, it's very involved. It's yeah. an art form. It sounds like you're learning hell. not only the physical mm-hmm. aspects of it, but also like having to learn acting and improv at the same time, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's mostly, you know, when you're learning how to paint, you have to learn what the brushes are. You have mm-hmm. to learn the strokes. And then afterward, you have to learn how to invoke an emotion through it. Right. And that's how pro wrestling is. You learn the mechanics and all that. And then all of a sudden, okay, now you know how to tell a story. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's what wrestling is. That's what every match is. Every match is a story. Mm-hmm. And the question is, okay, will this be the ending or does it lead up to a different story later on? Mm-hmm. When you were training for it, did you have an, uh, an idea in your mind of what kind of character you would be? Not really. Okay. I mean, no, uh, I was, you know... I was a smart fan <laughs> and all that. There'd be all these other other marks that would go into wrestling training, be like, oh, I'm going to be this character. I'm going to dress up like this, and I'm going to make a lot of money. Uh, but They're signing the check before they have the money to cash yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, so to speak. Um, now I'm mocking myself for being so haughty-taughty, but it was more of I wouldn't know what to I, – I didn't want to presume what I would be booked as mm-hmm. and what I would be at the time, and – you know, given my, given my body type, given my size and all that, I ain't going to be the sexy man or whatever craziness it could be. And someone could give me a gimmick and, and I could end up being good at one specific thing. And then that turns into my character. But so I, I, and at the time I tried to be humble about training in the sense of, I didn't want all the other veteran wrestlers to like just roll my eyes at me uh, while being all bright-eyed and be like, oh, I'm going to be the best thing ever. It's just like, it's just like comedy in mm-hmm. a way. Yeah. Um, you don't know your voice until years in. Yep. Yeah. And yep. yeah, what you want to talk about could change month to month. Mm-hmm. And uh, now that we're in New Year's, we're going to see a lot of comedians oh, yeah. coming up there doing the, this is me. And we're like, that's the fakest thing of all time. Yeah, we're like, no, that's Mike Rubiglia and not even. <laughs> no, that's Dane Cook. And that shit is outdated for over 10 years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sweet little babies have no idea. Oh, those sweet little children. <laughs> we'll see what happens in February when you quit. <laughs> um, so Okay. So you still watch like Monday Night Wrestling and all that? I still watch Monday Night Raw. What uh, channel is that on these days? That is on the USA Network and it is three hours long Damn. every week it is uh, it can be a slog but the good thing about modern day pro wrestling and thanks to the internet is if you're if you're worn out on WWE oh congratulations you can check out this indie fed that does that does live streaming mm-hmm. like uh, I did commentary for wrestling pro wrestling which is this goofy ass promotion with a man with a wrestler called serial man who's <laughs> just looks like it just looks like a superhero has this foam mask that looks like a cereal box it's amazing and great there is progress pro wrestling which is a british strong style wrestling that takes place in england 
and they live stream shows. Uh, PWG, as I mentioned, you know, there's local stuff out here, uh, and uh, you know, PWG does Blu-rays and DVDs. Uh, and now, actually, this week, as we're recording this on uh, January 4th, uh, is Wrestle Kingdom, which is New Japan Pro Wrestling show okay. that they air, um, that they live stream, and it's grown. It's growing an American fan base. And there's, uh, you know, out here in Southern California, not too far away from Mexico, there's a lot of Lucha Libre, which is another fantastic style. So when you, when you ask me, uh, do you like pro wrestling, you're asking me, do you like movies? Yeah. And the answer is yes. And I love different genres of film. And thus, I love different genres of pro wrestling. And sometimes WWE, it, WWE I consider to be... At its best, it is a fantastic Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. At its worst, it's Jurassic World. <laughs> um, and everything else, you know, a PWG match is like a John Wick. Or um, a New Japan Pro Wrestling match can be an art film. And uh, a progress match could be just a, a Guy Ritchie film. Yeah, I know, I'm pairing British things with British things. But, um, but overall, it's just... it's. Different flavors of of steak. Yeah, <laughs> it's more varied than the yeah. average person might think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I didn't think about that. Like, yeah, Lucha Libre is pro wrestling technically. It's just mm-hmm. a different genre. It's not like the the Coca Cola of yeah <laughs> of wrestling. Um, who was your favorite WWE wrestler as a kid? Oh God, um, it was Chris Benoit at one point. Uh huh. Then he uh, he, he, uh, he killed his wife and, and son. Yeah. Um, but growing up, uh, it was I was originally a child of Hulkamania at one point, mm-hmm. and then uh, moved on to Bret Hart, then to Steve Austin, uh, Benoit, and then nowadays it's just my my current favorite wrestler. He's um, or at least I would say my favorite wrestler throughout all time. It's two. Uh, one is um, Daniel Bryan, who is um, who is retired uh, as of this recording. He may or may not come back. I hope he doesn't because dude has a family. Mm-hmm. Don't hurt yourself. He retired due to multiple concussions. And just watching his matches, he he does consider wrestling an, an art form. Not the biggest dude, but has an innate charisma that you can, it's intangible. And in terms of, uh, and my other favorite pro wrestler of all time is Kento Kobashi, who is a Japanese wrestler, and every match with him is like a Rocky movie, mm-hmm. and I love it because he f- he tends to most of the time fight from the bottom, do a major comeback, and either does a very, it's either a dramatic win or it's a heartbreaking loss, and you can see it all in his face. It's very physical, very sweaty, very sweaty, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and it's. And it's just, uh, I don't know. And I, I'm sorry for that long-winded answer to what should have been a simple question. <laughs> but I, uh, my favorite wrestler changes every day. Yeah, that's fair. That's completely fair. Yeah, it's like, favorite. Like again, what's your favorite movie? Yeah, it's a loaded question. Yeah. Oh, um, Sorry that you're not talking much. <laughs> this is my style. I ask like four questions and let my guests talk. What, um, oh, do you have any like rituals for when you watch wrestling, like either on TV or when you go to the matches? Wow, that's a good question. Um, I try and I like fail. A lucky shirt that you wear or anything like that? I don't, I don't have a lucky shirt. I tend to wear some form of pro wrestling shirt. Yeah. 
like either something I bought off of. A, usually, I try to wear an indie pro wrestling shirt because it's promoting a person that's not, you know, they're not making a crap ton of money. Mm-hmm. You know, they're 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 essentially making enough money to get a ride to the next town. So right. I try to so I try to wear an indie wrestling shirt. I say if I see someone that I recognize from a previous show, I catch up, say hello, all that type of stuff. If there's someone that I don't recognize, um, this is mostly at PWG because there's a long-ass line um, Mm -hmm. to get in. If there's someone there for their first time, I just ask, oh, who's your favorite wrestler? Who are you looking forward to seeing? And if they don't aren't rec- if they don't know a specific person, I'll be like, oh, you'll really like this person because yeah. ABC. But no, I try to be just a fun fan, a welcoming fan, and let people... Uh, I evangelize pro wrestling, oddly enough. I don't evangelize <laughs> my own faith. <laughs> just to ensure people are going to have a good time, especially if they're not wrestling fans. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of misconception, much like in my faith, there's a lot of misconception about what pro wrestling is and what pro wrestling isn't, given that they see what the mass media... Mind you, everything, that, all the criticisms that they make about it are true. Mm-hmm. But there's also this other side to it that, and again, trying to uplift the good while addressing the bad. Yeah. Um, but... Rich, uh, but I don't know. I don't have any specific rituals. It's usually just having a drink and then after the show being sweaty and hot because it's usually in a cramped area, whether it's at a PWG show or I went to a Rise show, which is an all women's wrestling group. Oh, it's dope. Group. Yeah. It's very fun. All of these things are, are super fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you live in the SoCal area, look up Pro Wrestling Gorilla, look up Pacific Coast Wrestling Ultra and Rise. Mm-hmm. And Rise does a lot of women's wrestling. How often do you um, get to go wrestling to, wrestling. to these? And uh, bar events. wrestling. Okay. That too. It's just called bar wrestling. Anyway, I'm sorry. What were you asking? So, oh, sorry. I was interrupting no, you. No, no. Um, wh- how often do you go to to matches? Uh, as often as I can and if I have the energy and money. Because yeah. it's just, it is a great place to, it is a great place to just let it go and mm-hmm. let it all out. Because it's the first form of live theater that encourages uh, crowd participation. Mm -hmm. Like the only thing I can think of offhand that does that is Peter Pan when Tinkerbell's dying. Oh, okay. And clap your hands if you believe in magic. Mm -hmm. When you're at the matches, clap your hands if you want the hero to rise up and succeed. Mm -hmm. Boo the bad guy, cheer the good guy, or, you know, nowadays because... Wrestling has become less binary in terms of good and bad. Cheer for who you want. Mm-hmm. Lift a finger and say F you to the person you hate and just let it all out. Beat balls to the wall and all that. And the great thing about live wrestling, especially smaller shows, is the wrestlers can see you, they can hear you, they can respond to you back. So it's improvising like trash talk back and forth. That's so fun. Yeah, it's, it, it is a fun time. And, um, you know... It, they do like high flying moves and sometimes they spill into the crowd. There have been times in which wrestlers have fallen into my lap. <laughs> um, JC Carias. Wonderful comic. Wonderful comic. Dear human being. Yes. He was at a PWG show and he wasn't paying too much attention. There's this guy doing a flip dive over the top rope and I was in third row. He was in second row, I believe. And I just yanked and pulled him out of the way. And now um, uh, he's become a dear friend since then. But he introduces me like, this is the guy that saved my life. That's amazing. <laughs> and it's, uh, but yeah, it's so much fun 
Yeah, you're making me want to go. It sounds like a good you, time. Honestly, you and Chris would have a great time. Well, he loved wrestling growing up, so I'm sure he'd have a ball. Okay, a blast, but okay. I've, I've never been to anything. Okay, like that. after the show, I'll we'll, we'll have to organize something. Sure. Yeah, because I I go a lot of comedians out here, mm-hmm. uh, like Daniel Radford. Like she and I went to that Rise show together. Uh, Derek Lemos, um, he's a wrestling fan. There's so many, so much crossover between pro wrestling and comedy, mm-hmm. especially out here in SoCal, and. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I, I try to go as often as I can because it's usually affordable entertainment, um, especially the um, the PWG, the local shows. Well, PWG is expensive, but uh, many of the other local shows are cheap. These are people that are working hard for their art, um, and it's in the 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 feelings are infectious, mm-hmm. and the good times are infectious, and I like to feel good because. It's very easy to feel bad out here. <laughs> yeah, that's cool that you have this thing that you can turn to to as kind of a pick me up. Yeah, <laughs> something to look forward to. I'm sure. Like once you buy your ticket, you're like, all right, four more weeks until I get to go to this or whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it it's very it's very helpful. I mean, it can be it can be emotionally and physically draining after a very good show. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, I want come sleep. home with a sore throat. Yeah. Yep. There have been <laughs> there have been shows in which I haven't uh, like I. Couldn't speak for a full day wow. because, I, because <laughs> I screamed way too much, way too loud. And it's the same with uh, it's same with NXT shows and WWE and some WWE shows. And you know, a good show is a good show regardless of what brand it is. Mm-hmm. And it's just, um, but yeah, in terms of catharsis and feeling like feeling all of the energy all at once, and then just being having the feeling of exhausted yet satisfied. It's it's a high. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. That's like that's like a form of meditation in its own. Yeah. Yeah. I'm seeing more of a crossover between the two subjects than I yeah. <laughs> than I initially realized. <laughs> large crowds of people coming together for one cause. They're coming together for one cause. There's rituals involved. There's a call and response. There's a there's a literal communion. Yeah. Damn. Huh. You learn something new about that's yourself church, every baby. day. <laughs> That's church. Well, thank you so much, Eric. Thank you so much for having me on, Cindy. This was fantastic. Thank you. Thank you.